Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Help Desk for Tuesday, the 9th of March. My name is Peter Wells. And I'm Tess Bennett. I'm still in uh, long weekend mode, Tess, because it's uh, uh, we have a day off down here, so I'm a bit relaxed and I've decided to just talk about upcoming rumours that I'm excited by. I actually think this one might have been confirmed today while you were on a public holiday in Melbourne. Oh, which one? <laughs> the, the No More iMac Pro. Well, yeah, yeah. So that is now confirmed and, and it's very rare for Apple to announce uh, a product's end of life before it happens. Normally it's just, you know, you find out there's a new iPhone because the old iPhone is no longer on sale. Uh, for, for them to actually come out and say, look, if you do want one of these things, you better buy one soon is a bit of a big deal. And, and the reason for that is uh, I guess it points to the rumors of does this mean there is a new iMac Pro just around the corner? Okay, back it up. What is an iMac Pro? <laughs> the iMac Pro is a ten thousand dollar computer. Uh, it starts at about ten grand. Um, actually, no, I think it starts at about seven. Uh, either way, way too expensive for me. I did have one for about six months at work uh, a year ago, and they're very nice. They're very nice computers, but obviously way out of my price range. And Apple did not sell all that many of them. Uh, these were really designed for you know TV studios and design labs and things like that. Okay, so then they've said that, you know, buy the stock while stocks last at the moment. Is is that where it's at at the moment? Yeah, yeah. And that's normally uh, when they, the only other time I can think of them doing that was when they discontinued servers years ago. And because they're, that's a business product. So I think this is a way to say to business, look, you know, there are certain things, maybe the latest versions of Adobe's software isn't fully optimized yet for the M1 chip. So if you want to have a really kick-ass Intel machine in your environment, then this is the one you might want to get. I feel that that's what the signal is, or they wouldn't have mentioned anything about it. Um, so yeah, I mean, that that is exciting. So we've already seen the M1 announcements late last year. Uh, so that was their low-end uh, computers. Uh, I was expecting to see uh, the iMacs, the regular iMacs, and the kind of high-end laptops get a, a speed bump Sometime in March, I'm expecting an event in March. And so uh, this suggests to me that even better chips are, are coming. So even better chips in even more expensive computers? Uh, no, I think it'll be... I would imagine the March event, we're going to get uh, new versions of the iPad Pro. That generally comes out around March-ish. Uh, it's, it's also normally a bit of an education-focused event. And education loves the iMac. They, they buy hundreds of those things for classrooms and libraries and stuff like that. So I, I was expecting to see the iMac updated in March. Um, but yeah, now it might suggest that we're also seeing a very fancy new iMac Pro as well, which I still won't be able to afford. 
<laughs> and moving on, Australia's software industry is getting its act together and is starting to lobby the government. A dozen technology companies have written to the ATO seeking the opportunity to explain the role that software plays in research and development work. And this is all in the hope of avoiding another heavy-handed crackdown against the R&D tax incentive. So the R&D tax incentive is a policy that's one of the government's most important innovation policies, and it's typically used by young companies to pay engineering staff. But uh, it's been a little fraught in recent years because the ATO ATO has turned around and retrospectively audited a few of these R&D claims, kicking off these years-long administrative processes, which no small startup uh, wants to deal with. And so many of them in the technology space here in Australia aren't bothering to claim the tax break because it's just too confusing and not worth the headache. There's a little bit more adding to the complication, uh, and that was around the budget last year. Uh, It reversed uh, some cuts that were going to be made to the R&D tax incentive scheme, but didn't actually clarify whether the software industry uh, was included in the scheme at all. And a little while after that, Minister for Industry, Science and Technology, Karen Andrews, ruled out allowing software development to be deductible as an R&D expense. So basically, just a very confusing policy. Mm. Yeah. How how is software development not research and development? I I don't know if they think it's business as usual and therefore it's not R&D enough yeah yeah, yeah. Um, that that might be the argument um, too much d not enough r yeah <laughs> uh, but the the software industry basically they want to clear all of this up the group had that's gotten together has offered to convene a workshop with the ato uh within two months to quote improve the understanding of software innovation in the tax office and conversely address any concerns the ATO has about the software-related claims, which doesn't sound patronising at all, does it? Mm. No, not at all. Yeah, someone is putting together a a really condescending PowerPoint and and I want to see it. Yes, I hope it starts with software eating the world. (laughs) Yes. And sticking with rumours, as I promised I would, there is a new Nintendo Switch rumour from our good mates over at Bloomberg. So the new Switch is apparently going to be rocking a 7-inch OLED display built by Samsung. Kind of unusual for Samsung to make OLED displays for other people, but they have done in the past. That's that's kind of interesting in itself, but the, the cooler thing is this new Switch is going to be playing 4K video games when it is in docked mode, so it's got, a, it's it's rumored to have um, a, a much improved graphics card within that little docking station, so that you can play 4K Legend of Zelda. I'm excited by that. Tess, are you excited? No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. But I'm sure it's got a wider appeal outside of me, and I'm not the target market. But I, I guess um, is so. It's a, still a rumor at this stage. Yeah, yeah, it's supposed to be coming out at the end of the year. And, and I mean, the rumour has... Everyone assumed that Nintendo would be releasing a pro version of the Switch because it is so underpowered when compared to the Xbox and the PlayStation. But it that has never seemed to be a big issue when it comes to Nintendo um, selling hardware. What, what I find really fascinating about this is that the Wii was such a cultural 
phenomena. Like, you mm-hmm. know, when it was huge, you couldn't walk into a bar without seeing people playing like Wii Sports on, on one of the TVs out the back and stuff like that. It was massive. And the thing is, the Switch has actually outsold the Wii um, and in, in its short life, life cycle, it's already outsold the Wii. So it's, it's actually the biggest video game ever sold, like a console ever sold at this point. Um, and yet they... It, it did so with such terrible kind of technology because they had such a bad run with the Wii U that they didn't want to risk uh, expensive parts in this machine in case it didn't sell that well. And so, yeah, it's just a really fascinating example of if you make good games, people will play them regardless of, you know, exactly what they look like. Is there any indication that if this is a console that's more souped up, has more expensive parts, does the price point raise overall, like compared to the older model of the Switch? Yeah, they haven't really said that. I mean, the the Switch is still selling for the exact dollar amount that it it sold three years ago when it first launched. So that's an, another one of those Nintendo uh, advantages is they've they've never had to lower the price or do any kind of crazy sales, and the Wii just continues to sell. Oh, sorry, the Switch continues to sell like hotcakes. Uh, so I'm not too sure uh, when they've updated their Game Boy line. Generally, like the new shiny one comes out slightly more expensive, and the older one gets a price cut. So hopefully that would happen here. And our final story of the day is also kind of speculative. And that is YouTube is has basically said it's going to allow Trump back on its platform once the risk of violence has decreased. So Trump, if you remember that guy, uh, is permanently banned, banned from Twitter and Facebook. But YouTube is still kind of on the fence. YouTube CEO Susan Wojcicki gave an interview last week and she says the site will lift the former president's uh, suspension when the risk of him inciting violence decreases. So it, it seems like basically he'll be back on YouTube, but it, and it's just a matter of timing. And the suspension he got in January was only temporary. That is his first strike. YouTube has this three-strike system. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess once his channel gets reinstated, he's got two more strikes to go before it would be permanently removed. Mm. I'm sure. I'm sure he can play within those rules. Do you think it'll be back? I I really hope not. I, I mean, I really like the way some of the the media in in America has been treating the post-Trump world. Stephen Colbert won't even say his name on his show, um, which I think is a really nice way of of starving Trump of the one thing he craves more than anything, which is attention. Yeah, I I just, I kind of, I really wish that YouTube would stick to its ground on this or stick to the common ground that even Facebook can get to. Come on. Well, Facebook's thing, decision. Oh, no. (laughs) It's like semi-independent oversight board is taking a look at it. So Mm. there's a, you know, a, a small chance that, they might come back with something, a different recommendation, but it would, I don't know how they'd get there, really. Mm. So That board was overruled like 14 times last year by Zuckerberg, um, according to leaked memos. So they're doing a damn fine job keeping Facebook in check. Anyway, that's all we have time for for the Help Desk on Tuesday. Thank you, Tess Ben. Thank you, Peter. I've got to go uh, watch the Oprah interview now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's on. Cool. All right. We'll report <laughs> back tomorrow. <laughs> Speak all to you right. then. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.